Good morning, everyone. So nice to see you, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Last week, I talked about godliness and contentment and how it equals great gain. And the challenge is that so many of us are discontent with our life because we're unhappy with ourselves. And that comes from not being fruitful personally. And the scripture last week that I really hammered home was the understanding that if you're not content with where God has you, you'll always be looking to tomorrow. And you'll never live in the present. And when you're not living in the present, you're not in the moment, you're always in tomorrow or the next thing that you need to get and you're dissatisfied. On Friday, I went to pray at KBNJ. It's something that I've gotten to do a lot more often lately. It's a Christian radio station here in town. And it seems like they've been asking me to do it a little bit more often lately. And uh, my wife and I went on there and talked about a tragedy, a difficult heartbreak that we went through last year and the loss of our daughter. And uh, of course, they keep asking me to come back, which I'm glad that they do. I like Joe. I like the station. I like everybody that works there, Melinda, Brandon. I think they're all just great guys. And so I went on Friday to talk about this upcoming conference that's going to be here this next week. And uh, one of the things that we do every time I go there is we have a prayer time. So I usually share a short word or I give an update about something that's happening. They're so gracious to let us come. We do some advertising there. We've done a lot of stuff with Coffee Waves there. And after I share that word, there's a stack of prayer request cards. And so people are calling into the station to ask for prayer continuously. And the stack is huge. And so Joe and I split it in half and I don't get a chance to see what's written on the prayer request cards in advance. So it's kind of like I have to fly by the seat of my pants as I read them, and you've got to be somewhat fast. It's not like an hour prayer time. It's about five minutes to get through maybe 25 prayer requests. And I've done this many, many times. So if you ever listening during any other pastor's prayer times or whenever Joe does the prayer times, and you hear the, the prayers going on, that's what's happening is we're going through these prayer requests pretty quick. And there's a common theme that always, you know, weaves itself through these prayer cards. And that is always anxiety, fear, depression, worry. That's always the first ones. Anxiety, fear, depression, things like that. And then usually goes from there to family situations, marriages, praying for children, crisis situations. And then it goes to finances people asking for prayer for money or prayer for a new job or a financial situation that they're going through. And then finally, there's always somebody asking for healing. So those are in the top you know, four or five things. Anxiety, fear, relationships, family, jobs, money, and health. And these prayer request cards don't tell you anything about the person that's asking for prayer. It's just their name and then a line. You know, it's Joe needs financial breakthrough. And that's all you know. But having pastored for quite some time and having pastored this church, been through a lot of personal things on my own, and being very aware with, uh, of a lot of the things that are happening in the world around us, I have a pretty good idea of why people are battling and struggling with these things. And I don't have time to obviously counsel over the, over the radio waves, but I do have time with you to talk about where these things come from and how we can overcome them. And the challenge is, for us as Christians, thank you, the challenge for us as Christians is that we should be living differently than the world. We should be set apart and we should come out and we should have something about us that's different. But I also know that we're in the midst of process. And when you give your life to Jesus, you're born again in your spirit. It's spirit to spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit works on your soul realm. And it's in your soul realm that you have anger, fear, worry, complaining, negativity, strife, all of these things that are in our soul realm, the Holy Spirit begins to work on. And last week, I really, really helped you understand what godliness is. And I'd encourage you guys to go onto our podcast if you didn't listen to last week's message and listen to it, because this is a continuation of that message. But the premise of being godly is the understanding that because I respect and revere and love him, it moves me to action. Godliness is the understanding of holiness or real religious piety, not hypocritical piety. Yeah. Real religious piety means that I've separated myself for the work of the Lord and I'm devout in the way that I live my life. Amen. 
And what we have more often than not in westernized Christianity is a lack of people really being taken to the cross. And of course, God wants to help you in the midst of your struggle and your challenge, whatever it is you're dealing with, shame, fear, worry. But one of the things that we're, we're having a real issue with in a westernized church, western Americanized church, is we're not helping people to understand they're deprived, they're living in depravity without Christ in their life. And that's not the most popular message. Now, I try to say it with a smile to ease the pain a little bit. But the point is, is that we get ourselves in dysfunctional situations. We get ourselves into sinful situations because of a root cause in our heart, and it produces fruit. And there has to be a coming to the cross and a laying down of our life and a desire that says, Lord, I love you, and I have faith in you, and I trust you, and I'm fascinated with you, and therefore I want to be obedient to whatever you tell me to do. And many of us have come from religious dysfunction where obedience was hammered over us. It was obedience, obedience, obedience all the time. But that's putting the cart before the horse. If you don't have faith first, faith and fascination in the Lord and trust and confidence first in him produces the result is obedience. So godliness is, a, is not religious works. It's not you better read your Bible more and then I'm gonna whack you over the head with my iPad, which has my Bible in it. I had a Bible, here it is right here. I'm gonna whack Lacey and Jeff over the head, right? No, no. But the point is, is that, the point is, is that it's a transforming work of something in you. You can't make yourself fruitful. Fruitful comes from the source. Godliness comes from the source. What I wanna do is get you hooked up to the source and keep you there. What I wanna do is that when you come here, you get so challenged and reminded of how to live as a Christian. You get reminded of the benefits that you get as a Christian, and it challenges you to live differently when you walk out. We've experienced way too much religious dysfunction, and it's been a turnoff. I didn't grow up in church. I don't like man-made religion at all. I came straight out of the world. Grateful Dead concerts, partying, living for self, doing drugs, selling drugs. That was my upbringing, abandonment. My dad left me when I was a kid. I was orf really orphaned as a child. And I lived like an orphan spirit, looking for love in all the wrong places. And so what happened was the Lord would captivate my heart by fascinating me. Yes. Because everything that I had tasted, everything that the world had to offer paled in comparison to what he had to offer. And when I got his peace and his joy and all the fruit of the spirit ruling in my life, it transformed me. And I said to myself, now I've been going around the country spending thousands of dollars for years of my life following a band that was a throwback from the 60s, peace, love, and happiness to find peace, love, and happiness. Let me translate it a different way. Maybe you were once or are going to the bar night after night and two o'clock in the morning is inevitable. And when two o'clock in the morning comes, either A, you're with someone or you're not someone, you're lonely, you're empty, and then you wake up the next morning with a hangover and frustrated by what you had or what you didn't have. And when the temporary peace is gone from the night before, and that was fun and joyous and peaceful for you at the moment, suddenly we go back to it to find it again. And it's a repetitive cycle. But until you get satisfied, or when you get satisfied on the inside, when something happens that transforms you and you taste and experience something better, when that happens, yeah. it changes what you want. And that's what happened to me. So the Lord knew that the best way that he could get me to change my life was to fascinate me. And I experienced his presence. I got a touch from him. I got a lightning strike from him. And it changed my life because it became a reality for me. And that's why experiencing his love, his presence, and his power is so vitally important. We cannot go through religious, headstrong Christianity. You've got to become like a child, let your guard down, and say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. And whatever it looks like, as long as it's biblical, legal, moral, and ethical, I want it. And it has to line up with those things as well. And so for me, I came straight out of the world. And thank God I didn't, wasn't raised in religious dysfunction, and I know some of you were. But the point is, is that God is doing something new, and he wants to do something in you that transforms you to live your life different. So godliness first comes from an intimate, secret place lifestyle and fruitfulness from the Holy Spirit in your life. And in turn, that produces a contentment. Because you know, when you're peaceful, happy, joyous, you're usually pretty content. 
And the world is racing to find peace and rest. Racing. Top prescribed medications, anxiety, sleeping pills. People are dying and sick everywhere around us because they can't find peace and rest and contentment. Can't sleep at night. Always anxious, always worried, always nervous, in fear. And this may be some of you today. That's why Rock City Church is here. Yes, I want to challenge you. And if that's you going through some of those things, just own it and say, yep, that's been the way I've been because we're going to pray for you at the end. I'm going to give you some great answers today. This isn't about making you feel condemned. This is about challenging you to say, okay, I haven't been fully living the way that I should be living. And so what happens is, is when you get godliness first and then you have contentment, which means I'm fully equipped. I know that I have everything inside of me that I need for the moment and for the future, and therefore he makes me adequate for what lies ahead, and I can rest in where I'm at now. Contentment doesn't necessarily mean I don't want more of him, nor does it mean I'm not believing for other things in my life. You can be believing for a better job, or you can be believing for a raise, you can be believing for things, but you have to always make sure that the things don't have you, because materialism and stuff, if you're not careful, will captivate your heart. And then we're always chasing it, and we're never satisfied. And so we have to learn how to rest, and we have to learn how to have peace in the moment. Remember, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he said, the peace that I give you is not the way that the world gives. So no 40s, no doobies, no sexual relationships, nothing in this world, no amount of money can satisfy the way he satisfies. Mark my words. Nothing will give you peace the way Jesus Christ gives you peace. I know that firsthand. And so Jesus wants you to walk in peace, and he wants you to have rest in your heart. He wants you to have a supernatural life in him. He wants you to understand who you are as a son and a daughter. He wants to fix your broken. It's one of the best things that Jesus does, is he fixes broken. And so if you're broken today, and you're coming here, and you're in process, you're in a safe place to walk that out. That's what family does. Family loves you and helps you through it, and that's what we want to do for you. So godliness brings contentment in your life. And then in turn, it brings great gain. We talked about this last week. Great gain means supernatural promotion in every area of your life. Not just, don't think just financially. Think the fact that whatever God has for me, whatever he wants for me, the word great in the Greek is the word mega. It means gigantic promises from God and reward for your life if you're in position. And that's why I want you guys to not give up I want you to stay in position. I want you to keep growing. I want you to have a personal, intimate, secret life that's producing fruit so in turn, God can do whatever he wants to do in your life, okay? That's what I want for you. So godliness and contentment equals great game. So many people are living ungodly, so many people. And in turn, there's no contentment and no great gain in their life. You're not even promotable. You can't, even, you can't even grab a hold of what God has for you next because we're wallowing around in the muck and the mud and the miry clay, okay? Now, I've been there. This is not, I'm not preaching at you. This is my own personal story too. Not now, but it was in the past. Yeah. And so God wants to do great things for you and we're not just necessarily coming to him because of the great things he can do. We're coming to him because of who he is, but there's also a reward yeah. that comes with knowing him. Yeah. And the reward is awesome because it's whatever he wants. He makes us into something great. And most of you don't know all my story, or some of you do, but to go from where I was at on the streets, prison, jail, all the things that I was doing 25 years ago, I can't connect all the dots for you now, to hear is incredible. And it's all the Lord, because he's so good. And it hasn't been without heartache, heartbreak, trials, tribulations, and a lot of mistakes. That's why there's a lot of grace in this house. There's a lot of mercy and patience with you. But I gotta get you into process because when I made a decision to get into process, I stayed there. And I didn't have a church like Rock City back then, by the way, or a pastor like myself. There was a lot of weird, and I'm not saying I'm the latest, greatest. I'm just telling you, there was a lot of institutionalized dysfunction in the churches I grew up in, okay? And so... When you don't have godliness and contentment, there's no peace. There's no trust and there's no rest. 
without peace, trust, and rest in your life, I'm gonna give you a list of things that some of you may fall in. Anxiety, worry, fear, stress, exhausted. Now there's a word. When you say I'm just so exhausted continuously. Striving, and the word striving actually produces another word called strife. And strife means I'm constantly negative, arguing and complaining about my life situation. I'm never content with my life situation. Being bitter, conflicted, being a pessimist, and constantly complaining. Now, do not look at your spouse when I say this, but do any of you know anybody that complains a lot? Don't nudge anybody next to you, all right? And I'm not saying they do, but look, we all can fall, especially in the context of marriage, when God's refining us, fall into a pattern of complaining. And complaining is extremely unhealthy for you, extremely unhealthy. And complaining is a clear indicator that you're not happy and content on the inside, okay? So I wanna give you some answers today, and I wanna help you understand a few things about complaining, about a lack of rest, and about having this rebellious thing in your heart not doing what God wants you to do, and how you can get it and get back to the place of rest, okay? In the, in the Old Testament in Proverbs, God makes a list of things that he doesn't like. One of them is complaining. Because here's what happens with complaining. The scripture's in Proverbs 6, 19, and it says that, that when somebody complains, they're actually sowing discord. Now, you can complain between you and the Lord. God can handle your personal complaints, yeah. okay? 39 of the Psalms are open complaints to the Lord. He can handle you. I mean, have a hard conversation. Go walk the beach for an hour and let's get real with God. He wants authenticity and genuine. It's not pretension and religion. He wants you. He already knows you as it is, so just be real with them. But what happens with complaining in the context of corporate or in relationships is you're constantly sowing discord. It breaks unity and it doesn't position you for what God has in store for your life. So for this week, I wanna deal with entering into rest. And I wanna deal with entering into the rest that God had, has prepared for you both in the future and now. So God has a rest that he wants you to enter into in your life, and he wants you to lead from a position of rest. Now, I'm not talking about sleep and going on vacation and relaxing, though there's a component of that. What I'm talking about is being able to lead your life, your family, your coworkers, and everyone around you, yourself, from a position of rest, okay? And so I went to see my CPA the other day. Now, for those of you that are visiting, I have a coffee shop in Port Aransas, a coffee shop here. The church owns the shopping center. The church is pushing 600 people right now. It's growing like crazy, which is awesome. I've got a three-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm married. I've got to cultivate my personal life with my wife first. Well, first the Lord, then my wife and my children and manage all this responsibility. And one of the things that I hear so many times from so many people is, I don't know how you do it. They say, I just don't know how you do it. I went to see my CPA. She's like, you are the busiest person that I know. And she's got a lot of clients, but she has a pretty good idea of all the things that I'm juggling and managing. And she says, I don't know how you do it. I said, well, first of all, I've realized that I can't do it without Jesus. That's the number one thing because I've lived enough life of banging my head against a wall, and after failing so many times, I finally went, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. That's the first revelation, is to realize you can't do it on your own. Come on. The second thing is, is that I realized in order for me to effectively do what I'm doing, I've gotta lead from a position of rest. So I have rest in my heart. I can't do it all. My capacity to do all this isn't there. That's why I need you. That's why God calls us to a body. You cannot carry all the weight of what God has in store for you by yourself, ever. You can't do it. If you're gonna fully do what God's called you to do, you can't do it alone. He called us a body. We need each other, right? So I've learned what it means to, to have family around me and delegate responsibility and to run this church like a family, not a business. Because in a business, you get a paycheck based on what you do. In the kingdom, it's family. You get rewarded and honored and loved because of who you are. Amen. And your value's not based on what you do. But I can assure you at my coffee shop, my baristas better be cleaning some toilets, not just pulling coffee shots so that they can get a paycheck. 
They got to work. And I love them, and I father them to the best of my ability, but I hire atheists and whatever. I don't care. I don't have a, a prerequisite interview process that they have to be a Christian. In fact, a lot of times I hire non-Christians because that gets them into an environment that I believe is really healthy and enjoyable to work around. And I hire a lot of fired-up Christians too. But the point is, is I don't run the church... I don't run the church like I run my business because this is family and the kingdom's family and Jesus is Lord. So you have lordship where Jesus is the one that's really taken the wheel of this church, not me. I'm just being led and trying to love and lead the way that he wants me to. And in turn, I'm empowering because real kingdom leadership is bottom up, not top down. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but rather to serve. Okay? And so, godliness results in fruitfulness. Let's say that together. I have you repeat some things so we can kind of be interactive. Let's say this. Say, godliness, godliness. Leads, to leads to fruitfulness. So God wants you to be fruitful. God wants fruit to be produced in every area of your life. Now, the Bible teaches us that there are fruit, there's fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, these are the things that I'm looking for in people's lives. Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you joyous? Are you peaceful? These, if you are born again and you call yourself a Christian, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you which means if the Holy Spirit's in you, you should be producing these things in your life. Amen. So I'm a fruit inspector. Are you, a are you kind? Are you loving? Are you preferring of one another? Are you gentle? Are you patient? And you have to, you have to inspect your life for the fruit that's in your life and see, are, am I these things? Look at the next. These are all the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 23. Gentleness, self-control, there's no law against these things. And this is the way that the Holy Spirit wants to transform us. So the fruit comes from him. All I got to do is hook up to him. And if I stay connected with him and recognize and realize what's inside of me, then suddenly this is the transforming work of the Lord in my life. Okay? So all the way back to the garden, there was a promise from God. It's, it's Genesis 1.28. And there's a pattern here in Genesis 1.28. The first requirement that God had of man was to first, what? Be fruitful. Because when you're fruitful, you then multiply, Genesis 1.28. So multiplication is a direct result of being fruitful. And when you're fruitful first, then comes the expansion and the promises that God has for your life. But so many of us have our eyes set on the expansion and the promotion and the promise, and we've missed the main thing. Yes, God has great things in store for you. But what he cares more than anything is that you are first being fruitful, that you become a tree planted by the rivers of living water, being watered and refreshed and growing so that you have something to give away to other people. And that can only be produced and cultivated intimately and privately together with the Lord. So God wants you to be fruitful. The Holy Spirit in your life causes you to be fruitful. And in turn, multiplication or great gain is a direct result. Does that make sense? All right. So there's no multiplication or expansion in our life when we're not fruitful. We first become. That's the first thing. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, if you're born again, and there might be some of you that aren't born again, maybe you've given a mental assent and not a heart assent fully to the Lord. Or maybe you've been attracted to God but don't feel like you really know him. Or maybe you answered an altar call at one point and really meant it, but because of hardships and struggles and lack of family and community and all kinds of lies of the enemy, you slid backwards. But the good news is God is back into the business. He was still then, but he's back into the business of putting us in families, uniting us together, and helping us to overcome past hurts and pains and dysfunction in our life, okay? So we have to live and lead from a position of rest, okay? 
Rest, trust, and contentment come from love, joy, and peace. So when you have it on the inside, it manifests itself externally, right? You're not able to really sleep if you're not at rest internally. And we can't just expect to only relax and find rest when we take a trip to Mexico or the Caribbean or on vacation. We've got to learn to find rest and contentment where we are now so that we can lead effectively and manage effectively all that God puts into our lives, okay? So he wants you to be at a place of rest now. You'll only be able to do it when you have that internal posture. So rest is an internal posture, okay? So the biblical understanding of rest is the fact that, one, God dwells in a resting place. And in the Old Testament, the promised land was a picture of a resting place that God was taking them to. And now, heaven, ultimately, is the resting place that God is taking us to. He dwells in the place of rest. But God also wants you to have rest now. The understanding of rest in the New Testament is the, 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 the mindset of that God calms the wind. He's constantly calming the storm in your life. What we have to make sure is that the storm's not getting inside of us. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes I have a tornado in my heart. It happens. But because I'm bridled by the Lord and because I'm following the Holy Spirit, when I allow that to happen, the Holy Spirit says, you're not living in a place of rest. You're not trusting me. So I repent and I come back to the source where I gain my life, my fruit, my peace, and my strength, and that puts me in a position of rest, okay? Resting is also being still and ceasing to strive from a life led by strife. So striving and strife produces constant contention. It means that you're constantly in conflict. You're on edge. You're angry. You're bitter. And I'm telling you that when you're hooked into the world's news source and you're constantly focused on the problems and the cares of this world, and you're not dialed in and hooked into the Lord, you're gonna have anxiety, fear, worry, stress, negativity. And let me assure you, God's not caught off guard by the things happening in the world. North Korea's not caught God, caught God off guard. What's happening in our government in America, God's not sitting on his throne going, oh man, I never saw this coming. <laughs> Seriously. We have to have lordship and trust the headship of Christ yeah. in our life. Jesus is Lord. Let's say that. Jesus is Lord. Jesus. It's a great statement. Let's say it again. Jesus is Lord. Jesus. What that means, that's not a hyped up statement. When you can really understand the lordship of Christ, it's life changing. I love, sometimes I just say it over, man, Jesus is Lord. Because he's the ruler and the master, the leader and the guider of my life. My life is not my own anymore. Yeah. So I get to run coffee shops, be a part of this. And I feel like I'm on full-time vacation all the time. Really? I mean, I own coffee shops, pastor a church. Now it gets tough. My wife's been battling sickness. I've been battling some sickness. We have moments. We have difficulties. And I can assure you, our life has not been without hardship and fiery trials. But what you learn when you go through them over and over and over again is God is faithful and he's kind and he loves you and he's going to see you through every time because Jesus is Lord. And so faith genuine, authentic faith comes out of fiery trials if you'll let it. But what, what often happens is when things don't go the way you think they should, you're not hooked into the Lord, you don't spend time with him, you don't read your Bible, you're not coming to the cross, you're not denying yourself, and in turn what happens is, what's the result? Anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, depression, loneliness, isolation, and then we can't live our lives without have, having somebody hold us at night. We're never content if we don't have somebody in bed with us. We're never content if we don't have, and you fill in the blank, alcohol, drugs. You, maybe you don't even do drugs or need another lover in your life or think you do. You can binge Netflix all night long every night and never, ever have a rest and peace in your heart because you can't sleep. I, I understand. So we're all in this together, pursuing the things of the Lord together. Yeah. Okay, I'm not out to beat you up, but I am out to challenge you to live differently. Okay? So, God doesn't want us to live in a life of disagreement, anxiety, fear, worry, strife, division, constantly complaining, and negative. It's not a fruit of the Spirit, and it is not biblical. All right? If you've been that, just admit it, and let's deal with it. Let's yes. pray. Let's trust. Let's yes. get back 
come back home. Let's get back into the pocket of God's love. Let's be reminded of who he is. Don't feel condemned. I'm not condemning you today, nor am I trying to put shame on you. I'm here to challenge you. Okay, we can do this together. We're a family. We can do it, all right? So rest is an, internal, is an, an inside posture of our heart, all right? And it, comes, it manifests itself externally. King Solomon was a man of rest. Now, I really like King Solomon for a lot of reasons, okay? I'll just sum it up for you a little bit. The, a, a mindset of rest is also the fact that I have settled conquered and settled the land, and now I can relax, okay? It's somewhat in the context, think of your home. Your home should be a place of rest, right? I mean, you should be able to go home and rest, like really rest. Of course, the the devil works on overtime to even make your home a place of strife, but it should be a sanctuary. Whether you own it or rent it, it doesn't matter. It's a posture in your heart, and your home should be a place of rest, because you've settled it. Now, God wants to take this city. I know he has. God is into nations and cities, just so you know. He's into nations and cities. And he does it through people. The kingdom of God is within you. God's not gonna take this city with some big blob of tsunami. He's gonna raise you up to be a tsunami, and it's gonna come out of you into your blocks and neighborhoods and your coworkers. That's how that works, okay? And so... So David really desired to build God a house. He really wanted to build God a house, okay? And he was frustrated that he had it made really well in a palace, but there was the Lord dwelling in a tent, and the covenant of, and the ark of the covenant was in a tent, and he's like, I'm gonna build God a house. I'm summarizing some of the Old Testament for you. It's really 2 Samuel 7 is where you'll find that. And so David decides he's gonna build a house, but he gets kind of reprimanded by the prophet, which is ultimately the Lord that says, you're not going to build the house. I'll give you the plans, but your son's going to build the house. And the promise of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was to come through the lineage of David. Okay? So go from, if a lot of you maybe haven't fully read these things, but you should. Just from the entrance to the promised land was Joshua, all the way to the settling of the city of peace, by the way, Jerusalem, was David. So David would settle the land, take the city of David, which is the city of peace. He would settle it, and now he wants to build the temple, and the Lord says to David, you're not going to do it, but your son is. Yeah. Now let's pick up this scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles 22, starting at verse 7. And David said to Solomon, my son asked for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You will not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son will be born to you whom shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around all his enemies all around, he'd have peace and rest. His name will be Solomon. In fact, the name Solomon comes from the word shalom, which means rest, all right, okay. Um, Peace, which ultimately leads to rest, rest and peace, okay? So his name shall be Solomon, for I will give him peace and quietness. Who will give to him? The Lord will. Peace and quietness to Israel in his days. And he will build a house for my name, and he will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his throne and his kingdom over Israel forever, okay? And so the one who would build the house for God would not be the man of war, okay? It would not be the man of war, but rather it would be the man of rest, peace, and quietness, okay? That's who, and this is ultimately a picture of the father and his son. Okay, so it doesn't mean we don't have warfare. It doesn't mean the devil doesn't want to kill you. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't understand God's raising up a militant church. But the devil's already been defeated. And so now the process is you discovering who you are. And now when the enemy manifests himself, you go, huh, you're already defeated. You're a lying devil. Come out right now in Jesus' name because I understand the authority. So, I, so we build God's house now 
with Jesus, which we actually are his house. He's building us and we're building his. We do that through a place of peace and rest and quiet and trust. Not fear and worrying and anxiety. Not that I'm against spiritual warfare, but it's got to be led by the Holy Spirit in how you warfare, and you always do it with the fruit of the Spirit. So when the enemy manifests, I say, Lord, I'm not quite sure exactly what's happening here, but I can clearly see this is the devil trying to get me off track here. So I'm trusting you and I'm trusting in what you've done inside of me. I'm trusting in here. What do you want to show me in this situation? Instead of getting freaked out, weirded out, all anxiety, and you're in this constant nonstop tongue-talking binding mode. God wants you to lead from rest. And it doesn't mean I don't talk in tongues and bind up demons. But I do it with supernatural peace and authority, not from weird, crazy spiritual warfare. The devil's already defeated. When you know who you are, it's a game changer. Instead of fighting for victory, you fight from a place of victory. Okay? So check this out. Solomon would never, ever fight a war. And Solomon would go on to become the wisest man to ever live on earth. He would also go on to become one of the most wealthiest and richest, richest men ever in the Bible. And he never even asked for it. Notice that. You'll have to go back and read the story if you haven't heard it. It's an incredible story. It's all supernatural. He would also go on to write 1,000, a little over 1,000 songs. He would write over a 3,000 Proverbs, the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And he would build the temple where the cloud of God's glory would come in and it would be like supernatural everywhere. Why? Because if you're anxious, worried, complaining, rebellious, not godly, not sitting where God's got you to be, not in a place of rest and peace and quietness. You're never going to be creative, supernatural, hear God's voice, and effectively accomplish what God has for you. You understand that? So if you really want to, to expand in your life, you've got to understand that you desperately need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And the fruit of the Spirit's the nature of who He is. Just rest in His love, learn to hear His voice, and be taught by Him. Sit with him, grow with him, love him. There's no religious works here. It's easy. A couple steps. Godliness, contentment, resting in the fruit of the Spirit in your life, trusting him, and in turn, you have supernatural peace, okay? So, peace and rest give you the ability to lead effectively. There's no way I can manage all the things that I have in my life right now. Over 20 employees, 140 volunteers, all of the leaders and all the new people that are coming, all the great shopping centers, coffee shops, little children. And I just smile big and say, Jesus is Lord. I'm just gonna rest. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm not an effective leader. That's it doesn't right. mean I'm not digging up in people's business and running my business as well. Right. But the point is, is I'm not angry, stressed, worried, fearful. I'm not beating my employees up. I'm empowering people because God empowers me, That's all right? right. So, Let's just, let me give you a couple things on rest and then we're gonna pray. Genesis 2.2. On the seventh day, what did God do? He rested and he stayed there. The other six days had a morning and a night. The seventh day did not have a morning and a night. And it says that God ceased on the seventh day and in turn, he's still resting to this day. The Lord is in a position and a place of rest. Okay, that's the first thing. Hebrews 10 chapter Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 through 13. When Jesus ascended, the first thing that he did was he made the sacrifice for our sins. He purged your sin. If you can understand it's already been done, you've already been forgiven, grab it, take a hold of it and receive it. All the work has been done. It's finished. If you can get that revelation, it'll bring great rest into your life. So right after Jesus purges our sins, what's he do? He sat down. So Jesus is leading from a seated position. And look at the next verse. Until his enemies waiting, expecting. Until his enemies are made his footstool. And guess who gets to fully make his enemies? His footstool is his hands and his feet. 
So we're constantly bringing justice and light to injustice. We get this a, a glorious story if you can see it. This is the most exciting time to be alive. I'm just telling you. And if you're not careful, you're going to have a push-the-button attitude. Come on, Jesus, just rapture me now. This world's so jacked, just nuclear bomb. You're all freaked out about North Korea. You're all freaked out about who knows, the chaos of this world or consume with self. And we get apathetic. The Lord's in the business of making you a great light in darkness. So the darker it gets, the lighter we shot, the brighter we get to shine. I'm so excited to raise my kids. You think I'm sitting around saying, man, I hate that my kids were born right now. I just, I wish they were born with Leave it to Beaver on the TV. I'm just telling you, I, I wish it was the 50s all over again. It was so much simpler back then. And we subtly succumb to this negative, apathetic, complaining attitude. And that comes from listening to the world and chasing after the world system, not the kingdom of God. Man, I'm so fired up for what, I, what we get to do together. This is exciting. Who wants to meet a deadbeat, lackluster, hunched over, lemon-sucking Christian? Who wants some... some apathetic Christian that calls himself a Christian coming around and trying to witness to you and tell you about Jesus. Anybody? Who wants an on-fire, radical, Jesus-loving, caring? We all do. Now, please hear me. The devil's such a liar. He wants to get you in shame, fear, worry, and he wants to get you consumed with yourself. The minute you get consumed with yourself is the minute that you turn inward instead of turning upward. And I get it. We've made some horrible mistakes. Some of us have burnt the bridge down a thousand times. Some of us have burned our life to ashes. Some of us, our marriages are barely making it right now. Some of us are not sure how we're going to get our next paycheck. Some of us are not sure if we're going to be able to pay the rent tomorrow. I've been in all of those situations. Some of us are living under bridges. There are, there are homeless transients that come here that are living under bridges. And wherever you're at, if you will get into that posture and position of, Lord, I trust you. Amen. And I'm not, I don't have to look to man, and I don't have to look to myself. I'm looking to my source. And in turn, I trust and believe you're going to take care of me and provide for me. And, I, and you just love him. You just love him. Okay? So, Jesus is seated. And there's another scripture, I didn't put it in here, that says when you're born again, guess where you get to go? You're seated also at the right hand of him. So if I'm seated, don't think, past, don't think like I'm the high and mighty religious super leader guy, okay? I love Jesus and I love you and he said, I'm gonna work with that. I am seated at the right hand of the Father. I get to lead in my heart from a rested seated position. I don't have to be anxious, worried, or nervous. I, don't, I have not responsible for you I'm not, the only person I'm responsible for is myself and my children until they're of age. I'm not responsible for your Christianity, but I am responsible to reflect the king well. Now, if I'm anxious, stressed, hurt, bitter, any of you met, met a pastor like that, or any of you had a business owner like that, and if you had a mean boss, anybody? I'm just saying. And the way we fix those things is we change our lives and our understanding that Jesus is seated. He seated you. The Father's resting. And there's a rest that God has for you. There's a rest that God has for you. And so I'm going to give you some homework because this topic is so long, deep, and wide. Like I'm not even going to talk about how Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm not even going to go there today. It's such an incredible topic. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, which means it's not just on the seventh day anymore. Guess how often the Lord wants you to have a posture. And it doesn't mean I'm never working, but it means that now, because my rest in my heart, my work isn't even really work anymore. I don't, listen, I've scraped boogers off walls praising Jesus, and I'm not kidding, in jail. I've done it. I was born again at the time, and the Lord said to me, you, you treat that toilet bowl brush like a gold wand. And I said, you bet. And I'm telling you, I made those toilets and those walls spotless, and there were people that were out on the prison floor that hated the fact that I had that job and would purposely make it worse for me so that I would quit. 
And God said, I'm going to teach you right here. The first place God took me was to my knees cleaning toilets. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't care what your situation is. I mean, I care. But what I'm saying is, is you can trust God no matter what your trial is. Because the only one that's going to get you out and rescue you properly is the Lord. And if you rescue yourself, it will only be temporary. Mark my words. You may be able to get yourself out of your situation for a short time. But that's only behavior modification. You can modify your behavior. And in the end, it becomes works, not love and transformation. Behavior modification will never change your life. If you're looking for five points and three principles, this isn't it. God says, get with me, spend time with me, be fruitful, trust me, love me, be spirit-filled, get in a relationship that's healthy, and let's do life together and trust the leading of my spirit. That's what the Lord wants for you. You guys all right? I really, sometimes I get so intense, realize I already preached one service, and so I kind of got to get back into my groove a little bit, you know? But just know that I really love you. I really, really do. This is not hyped up. I don't need your money. I don't need you sitting in the seat. What I care about is your family, your life, your heart, and that you grow. And I'm giving you tools and resources and a word that when you walk out these doors, if you will get the main thing, the main thing, you can have rest, peace, comfort, strength, health, and you don't have to live the way that you used to live. You don't have to lean on sleeping pills. You don't have to drink, do drugs, or find another lover. There doesn't have to be cheating in marriages anymore in this house. We don't have to raise our kids in religious dysfunction. How about if your kids get to be raised in a church and they never knew what some of us knew? And they're like, huh? In fact, we already have a bunch of young adults that are here that are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I never saw that before. I never heard that before. And it's like a foreign list, like I'm talking Chinese. I'm like, well, just stay in that spot right now. You don't even need to know, all right? You don't need to know religious dysfunction. Check this out. Are you guys all right? Can I give you a few more minutes? I'll just go off the record for a second. Well, it's all recorded. There's no way to do that. Check this out. In Psalm 40, verse 1, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, David is in a world of hurt and pain. He is in what he described quicksand, spiritual quicksand. He's in the muck and the mud and the miry clay. So you may be in the toilet today, okay? You're at the right place. There's hope for you. Because I've swam swam in the toilet too many times. It's not fun. But God rescued me every time. Here's the scripture. I waited patiently for the Lord, and what did the Lord do? Because I waited patiently. You know what waited patiently means? It's not passive resignation where you're a Christian couch potato, just flipping through the channel. God's gonna do what he said he'd do. I just know it. Click, 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 click. Whatever, whenever. It's not a laissez-faire Christian. You know, laissez-faire is not in the Bible. I just wanna let you know that. God partners together with us to accomplish his purposes on earth. He puts his authority and power in us so we would become something great and then help others to become something great and then bring justice to the dysfunction of child pornography and pedophile and all the stuff we see around to transform lives and to bring healing to the fatherless and the the outcasts and the orphans and the widow. That's what ultimately it's about is becoming an intimate relationship so we can rescue and show others how to do it, right? If you look up the word waited patiently, it means to entwine yourself. Picture two bread ties that you twist together or two pieces of wire that you twist together. It means that I don't have passive resignation, but confident expectation. That's what Jesus is doing sitting on the throne, waiting or expecting until his enemies are made his footstool. Now, how about Isaiah 40 verse 31? Those that wait upon the Lord. Guess what those that, that confidently, expectantly have rest and peace in their heart. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. I'm fully immersed in the moment of right now. I'm living in the present. What happens when you wait for the Lord is you get renewed strength. That's why if I can get you to stop being so busy 
being a workaholic, being consumed with social media, TV, all the stuff from the world, if I can get your eyes off yourself and you start getting with the Lord, something's gonna happen. I promise you, Jesus is not a liar and I'm not a liar. If I can get you to lay your life down and get with him and repent and change the way you think and get over your own religious dysfunction and get me out of the microscope. Seriously, we're always, I'm always under the microscope with some people. It's like you're just waiting for me to hurt you or waiting for me to ask for more money or waiting for me to have an affair or waiting for me to steal something. Some people are like that. I'm just saying. So what I'm telling you is what happens when you wait? You get your strength renewed. And then you know what you do? Instead of being stuck in the, in the moment of, the, of all the challenges around you, instead of all you can see is the immediacy of your need right in front of you, you're stuck in the forest and you can't see it because of the trees. Here's what the Lord does. He's gonna mount you up to fly above it so you can get better perspective. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing about mounting up on wigs as eagles. You're gonna, so, you're gonna soar miles high above it and now you're gonna have double vision to see this way, this way, and a mile down. And now the Lord says, see, you didn't know what I was doing, did you? You didn't know that I had a plan to decrease you so that I could increase you. You didn't know that I was cutting you down so I could create you to something great. You didn't know how much I love you and how much I care about you. The Lord's love never fails my favorite thing about him. I've made so many mistakes in my life. I can't even tell you. But the Lord uses broken, humble people. The Lord uses weak people because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And if you're not careful, you'll fall prey to the lie of Western Americanized Christianity that says you better be stronger, not weaker. So I went off there on a little rabbit trail, but that's waiting patiently. I'm showing you from the, I know these scriptures because I live them. I want you to too. Waiting is expecting, waiting is trusting, waiting is patience. The only way to enter God's rest is to hear his voice and be obedient to what he's telling you. So if you read in Hebrews chapter three, this is homework for you. Take this home or listen to the podcast later. Hebrews chapter three, verses seven through eight, verse 13 and verse 15, all in Hebrews three has a common recurring theme. Here it is. Today, everybody say today. Today, Today, if you will hear my voice and not harden your heart as in the day of the rebellion when your fathers in the wilderness tested me over and over and over again. And I swore that because they're complaining, because they're testing me, because they're never satisfied, because they're bringing dysfunction to my people, they're never, ever gonna enter my rest. And what happens is when somebody is living contrary in rebelliousness to what God has in store for them, one of the number one things you do not get is rest. We can have a supernatural showdown all day long. There's a lot of supernatural stuff happening in the world. Psychics and witches and warlocks, they can all actually really do some supernatural things. I've watched them. But you know what they don't have? They don't have peace and rest on the inside. They don't have the love and the joy that I know only comes from Jesus. And that's what God wants to provide for you. But you've got to make sure that you are hearing his voice. Today means today. Multiple times he says today. Today, today, today. If you're hearing God's voice, it transforms you. Okay, now, let me, I had this other revelation. Candy and his wife are new to Rock City Church. It was a divine orchestration by the Lord for him to be here and his wife. Yesterday, I pulled him to the side and I gave him a word. And I know what that word did for him. I've done that for some, Alex, you and I've had some words, several, I can't do it for everybody. Every now and then, if I catch you in the hall or see you at the altar, the Holy Spirit quicks, and I can't be the only one doing it. Now we get a whole family that are prophetically encouraging one another. What happens is my voice to him produces life inside of him. 
That's why we need encouragement of each other. Because encouragement strengthens us. Sometimes one word of encouragement will keep you from taking your life or somebody from taking their life, right? And so God does it to us and then he does it between us where we're speaking life to each other, right? So when you hear God's voice, it quickens you and awakens you. And then when you hear it, you become obedient to what he's telling you to do. People will never be obedient to know what to do until they're hearing his voice. Otherwise, it's religiosity. Now you're doing it because I told you to do it. What I want to do is get you spirit-filled, spirit-led, growing in the secret place and hearing God's voice and reading the Bible for yourself. That's ultimately what I want to do. And most American institutionalized Christianity, it all revolves around the man of God. I'm the prophet. I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord for you. And I can hear for you sometimes when you can't hear. But ultimately, what I'm here to do is propel you to go get with the Lord and get some daily bread. Get some daily bread because in the Lord's prayer is daily bread. So God, and in fact, the Lord's prayer has everything that you need in how to pray and how to live. Spiritual warfare is in the Lord's prayer, deliverance, forgiveness, worship, all in the Lord's prayer, okay? If rest, that's right. If you, if you feel like you don't know what to pray right now when you pray in your personal time, first of all, you don't have to say anything. Go sit with the Lord and watch what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is a helper to get you to where he wants you to be. And then in turn, just open up the Lord's Prayer and start praying it more personally over your life, okay? So if we don't harden our hearts and we're not rebellious and we remain godly and fruitful in turn, it produces supernatural things in our life. But if we do harden our heart, you'll be angry. You'll have a lack of fire and trust in your Lord. In the Lord, you'll be doubtful. You'll have unbelief. You'll be disobedient, bitter. You'll reject God and you'll complain. And unbelief will keep you from all that God has for you. It's Hebrews 3.19. Hebrews 3.19 says, because of that, they could not enter my rest. Here's what I wanna tell you. You're not gonna be that. You're not gonna be like them. Amen. You're gonna enter into God's rest. You're gonna have peace in your life. I believe in that, all right? I'll leave you with this scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, let me help you understand something so fun about this. The Lord can handle crisis Christianity. Let me tell you what crisis Christianity is. We're always running to him when we're in crisis. I would rather you do that than not. He loves you enough. He says, keep coming. I understand. My people did the same thing. The Israelites did the same thing over and over again. You can keep coming. And the premise is, is when you're wore out, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're stressed, you can come to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He gives you rest and peace for your soul. But he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word yoke means I'm hooked up to him. I'm hooked up to Jesus. He's my main thing. He's my main hookup. He's the guy that I want to stay connected to. You can keep coming here and answering these altar calls. I don't care how long it takes. Never feel shame or inadequate or that you needed to have arrived. I want authenticity. Let me tell you where I really would like to see us go in a sign of maturity is that I always stay hooked up to an easy burden and a light yoke and I'm never heavy laden, beat down, burdened. Do you think that we could come to a place where we stay connected to the Lord and that we're constantly working because the word yoke is the mindset of oxen plowing together. So Jesus is saying, hey, hook up with me because the minute you try to plow alone, you're going to get in that world. I want to live in the world where I'm not an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I don't want to be up and down hot and cold all the time. I would like to actually stay connected and yoked up to Jesus full time. Wouldn't you? So that I've got a constant yoke in my life. And that's where I'm calling you to. Listen. You could love me today and hate me tomorrow and come back in a year. You could leave the church and come back. Listen, you're not burning bridges with me. Come on. This is Jesus' church. Yeah, amen. You could come once a month. You can come to every meeting. 
I don't know and I don't care. What I care about is that you're hooked up to Jesus and you're growing and you need to know that I love you and this church loves you and we believe in you and we understand process. And sometimes my process was constantly returning back to the pig trough. That was my story, sadly. Now, when I came to Jesus, I meant it and I was all in, but my flesh and I didn't understand a lot of what I'm teaching you. So I kept reverting. I kept reverting. And so I understand that. There's, there's an understanding here and a grace here for you. Please don't let shame hold you back from coming here and being a part of what God's doing. And please don't let shame and feel, uh, feelings of failure keep you back from coming up for prayer. Please don't feel like you're living in this world of constant inadequacy. Jesus is amazing. And he can help you out of that. And so can we. We're for you. We're for you. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bendett, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. Until next time, and stay fired up.